take a step of faith and see what the Spirit will do. No, you can't play it safe. He wants you to get out of your comfort zone and just trust Him. If He lays something on your heart, give it a step, give it a try, and see what He will do. You'll be surprised. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It is a good time to take a step of faith to trust God more and to do the things He's called you to do. For us here at EE Leaders, our step of faith is to start a Patreon page. It's a crowdfunding subscription-based page where we can give you more content and create a community to be able to minister to you in an effective and efficient way. I am so excited about this ministry where you can come and join the conversation for more bonus episodes, for more Q&A time, and even coaching. The goal of EE Leaders is to encourage and equip you, and I know this tool and resource will be helpful for those that want community to help in the calling that God has called them to. So it's something new that we're starting that we want you to be a part of. All the information is at eeleaders.com. Hope you enjoyed today's bonus episode. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to Just Conversations here in sunny South Florida with my dad. He's on vacation. I'm asking questions from the cuff again, just to glean wisdom, to learn insight about leadership, about who the Lord is, and just with over 40 years of ministry experience, uh, this is just a way for me to be able to learn and glean wisdom from my dad. So, hey, Father, Daddy, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Enjoying this beautiful sunshine in Florida. Just met with a couple of pastors, Pastor Will, Pastor Robin, just to encourage them and their ministry. Um, let them know that God loves them and God understands what they're going through, and he's there for them. He's not going to leave them. Very encouraging time just to meet with other pastors uh, to let them know the things that they are going through. They're not alone because I've been there many times, and uh, if I can use some of my experiences to help other pastors, that is what I'm, I want to do. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do with uh, just having these conversations in my office uh, to really talk through Nehemiah and uh, glean some wisdom from scripture, from experience, and really bless you to let you know you're not alone, that we're praying for you, we care about you. And uh, today we're really going to remember about the goodness of God. Isn't that a great subject? The goodness of God. Goodness of God. You could go all day on that one. He is so good. He is so gracious. He is so loving, so kind. And, you know, he's he's never uh, really... Uh, going to throw us on the shelf just because we make mistakes. I mean, who haven't made mistakes? I mean, we all have, but God is still gracious enough to still use us in spite of ourselves and in spite of our mistakes. So if you have made mistakes, which you probably will, uh, we all have, but God is gracious enough to continually use us as we go to him in prayer and ask his forgiveness. You'll see just how gracious he is, that he wants you to uh, be like the scriptures say more than a conqueror so he's on your side he's for you yeah and we're getting these uh conversations or sort of text through 
learning through Nehemiah. We learned uh, great Bible studies in season chapter four. These are bonus episodes where I figure to be fruitful and beneficial just to have conversations to sort of study through. So let me let me give us some context of Nehemiah chapter nine, because we know that the wall has been built, but here's what's happening in the city, revival. Now I have a quote from J. Edwin Orr. He defined revival as the spirit of God working through the word of God in the lives of the people of God. And that's exactly what you see in chapter eight is that it's happening. Ezra, the priest now is starting to read scripture. He's explaining how to follow God. Uh, In verse three, chapter eight, he says, and all the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And so uh, before we get into the goodness of God and character of God, we sort of see this in chapter nine, people just repenting. They're in revival mode. That said from, uh, I think, It was like a six-hour period from the sun coming up to midday. They were listening to the Word of God. I guess my first question for you is this. Have you ever experienced a revival, specifically thinking about the Jesus movement? Can you explain to the listeners, people that may not even know about a revival in America, the Jesus movement, what was that like? What was that like historically in the 60s, 70s? But then, you know, you got saved in Costa Mesa. Uh, Thousands of people were going to church. Just explain what that's even like where you can't even find a seat because people want to go to church. Yeah, it was such a hunger there for people to come and hear the Word of God. It was just something you had to see with your eyes to believe it. It was many times you go to church services, uh, it was just standing room only. And, you know, it started on the beach, you know, with beach bombs. And the Holy Spirit worked in a miraculous way, drawing in people, ordinary people, People, drug addicts, drunks, you name it, it was coming to the church by the thousands. And they were going to get their friends, and they were bringing them, and they were going to get their friends and bringing them. So it was a great revival. I think that can still happen today. I think if we tell other people and tell them to go get their friends and to bring their friends to church, uh, I don't think that's really changed. We all are supposed to make disciples and tell other people. So it was a great movement back in those days. It was a great time. Uh, People uh, were so discouraged with denominationalism. And when people could come to church in Costa Mesa and they thought that they could wear a pair of shorts or a pair pair of Levi's and a uh, T-shirt, it just drew people in. They They could come the way they were. They didn't have to dress up to wear a suit. They just come in dressed any way you wanted to, you know, with shorts and T-shirts on and and just to hear the word of God. And God transformed their lives through the word of God and revival broke out. So you got saved when? When did you get saved? Because you and Mama Aunt got saved to sort of the same night, same service. Explain that real quick. What year was that? Well, we got saved in 1978. My wife and I got saved in 1978 uh, at a Saturday night concert. uh, And we got saved the same night. So... Uh, she was Catholic and I was Methodist, but neither one of us were really walking with the Lord. So we went to Costa Mesa and heard the gospel. We heard the gospel and we went there a year. And then uh, we went, we started going to Raw Reese's church. His church was located at, at that time in West Covina, California. We went to his, to his church about six years. And then we were called to go to Washington State in 1982. So now we've been here at Washington State for 40 years. Can you compare the difference between California when you left and Washington State? I had someone just recently, even at our lunch, say, man, Washington State's really rough, I guess, huh, with all the unchurched and stuff. But can you compare the difference between maybe a revival of what you left, 78 
to 85, five years in California compared to going to Washington? What are the differences, do you think? See, Mike, there was a more of a, <clears throat> there was a more of a, uh, a hunger in California. People, they, they would go to church. Uh, in Washington State, they don't. Uh, Washington State is probably the most unchurched anywhere in the United States. They just don't go to church there. Uh, there's a lot of churches there, but most of the churches, they only have, you know, 30, maybe 40 people. And it's very hard in Washington State. It's a lot of false teaching, uh, new age. Going to church in Washington State is just not important to most people. They just, it seems like there's just no interest. It's like there's a whole different spirit uh, in Washington State than it was in California. What is it uh, like now on the other side, not just getting discipled and growing your faith, but being a preacher, pastoring, sharing God's word with people? Can you tell the difference between the atmosphere of people that are hungry for God's word compared to a room that's cold? And if so, what makes a, a warm room? What what sort of how can we as leaders help people um, have a hunger for God's word? Some people have a, you know, a hunger for the word. Other people don't. Some people just glad when the message is over with. They want you just to get it over with. But when people are open and you can see it when you're teaching, I don't know how many of you guys watch uh, your congregation. I watch the uh, people when you teach. But you can kind of watch people and see if they're in tune with what you're saying and when they're, when they're not. Uh, many times it's not the teacher's fault. Sometimes it's the hearer's fault. So, you know, you can't say uh, it's your fault because they're not interested. All you have to do is just deliver the message. You really can't make people interested if they're not. Uh, you can't change people or anything. So I think as long as you be faithful giving it out, uh, you've done your job. I just recently did a devotional on pray for good soil, that passage in Mark chapter 4. Oftentimes, you know, we as pastors, we're praying and we want to teach the Word of God and have the right, correct uh, message and, you know, those type of things. But I just told people in the devotional, you guys need to pray before you come to service because you can have, you can receive the, the Word with joy and then the sin, Satan can just come in and just get you caught up. Or the, what about the ways of the world that I, oftentimes we forget to tell people, hey, this is a two-way street, man. Well, I'm putting my time, my energy, my effort, my prayers towards you, which I think we as leaders need to be praying for those that are following us and we're teaching them the word of God. We have to be praying for people. That's a that's a that's sort of a given, fundamental thing. We need to take more time for that. But then we also need to encourage people to to pray themselves and and, and ask God to not only teach them, but to how do I apply this in my life? And, you know, they need to rely on the Holy Spirit as well when we teach them God's word, you know? I tell people in my church, don't rely upon me for all of your feeding. You got to learn to feed yourself. You know, the scripture said David encouraged himself in the Lord. You got to do that do that yourself. Don't rely upon the preacher and the teacher to do all your feeding. You have a, you got to have a devotional life, a prayer life, a quiet time with the Lord and sit under his feet yourself. And you can grow from that. But God wants to spend time with you personally, one-on-one, -on -one, and that is uh, a time that no one else can really replace. That is very rich, what he can teach you, because what he's teaching you and teaching someone else could be different. But he wants that quiet time with you alone so he can direct you and he can fill you and encourage you. 
because he knows exactly what you're going through. So don't get too busy where you can't spend time with him. Yeah, and so in Nehemiah chapter 9, we really see a hunger for God's word. In um, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, we see the people confessing their sin. And we also see some other signs as well. Uh, What we may know as like maybe spiritual disciplines or practices. The people, they gather again. So now it says, the text says, on the 24th day of the month. So we see them continually meeting together with fellowship. Uh, It says that they fasted and put on sackcloth and even earth on their heads. That's a public sign of humility. So they're in fellowship. They're walking in humility. Uh, The text says that they consecrated themselves. They separated themselves. They were walking in holiness. Uh, They confessed their sins. So that practice of repentance. They read the Bible, which there was Bible study to their revival. Uh, They worshiped the Lord. They were singing of songs and praising. And then they cried out to God with a loud voice, it says. There was prayer. So we see fellowship, uh, humility, holiness, repentance, Bible study, singing, prayer. What about some other spiritual practices? Some things that you see right now that maybe not is happening as well. Well, you got to get back to to prayer, you know. You know, Acts 242, where they're continuing in prayer and the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread and the fellowship and the Lord added to the church. Uh, I think we got to get back to that. I think we've gotten away from that. That's why I don't think the church is as powerful as it used to be. Uh, they have all kinds of programs today that they want people to follow to build a church, but uh, you'll never get away from prayer and fellowship and uh you know, meeting with each other, building each other up. That, that, that is why I think the book of Acts, uh, that church was, those churches were so powerful because they met on a regular basis and they prayed and they fellowshiped and uh, they, uh, they were as like one. They stuck together, they hung in there together, they built each other up and they encouraged each other. Now, when God's people are practicing the spiritual disciplines that God tells us to, these sometimes seems fundamental or simple ideas, but we get so distracted by so many different things. But when we are praying, when we are in God's word, having fellowship and walking in humility and holiness, righteousness, these things that God tells us to do, the bottom line is he receives glory. Verse five says this, stand up and bless the Lord, your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be the glorious, uh, your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Essentially, the rest of this chapter is remembering the goodness of God and his characteristics. Let me give you a little Bible study for you, a little outline. You know, you may want to jot this down, Pastor Joe, if you need this a little later, you know. Verse 6, they highlight God as creator. Verses 7 through 8, God is gracious. Verses 9 through 15, God is powerful. Verses 16 through 21, God is merciful. Verses 22 through 25, God is faithful. Verse 26 through 31, God is loving. Verse 32 through 37, God is righteousness uh, or is righteous. And so um, they're basically remembering the goodness of God, the character of God. And that is what happens when you practice spiritual disciplines. We don't just read the Bible to read the Bible. We actually read the Bible to have fellowship with God, to hear from God, to grow in our faith. We don't just go to church just to go to church and say, okay, great, it was done. We're trying to meet with the living God, the power and the presence of God, and build our relationship with him. How important is it to remember the goodness of God for us as leaders as we lead? We're going to get encouraged if we focus on his goodness. You know, not in just the good times, but in the bad times. He's always there. 
Whether you can feel his presence or whether you can't, he's always there. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in the good times, he's gracious, he's loving, he's kind. In the bad times, he's, he doesn't change. So, I mean, we change, but he doesn't. Things around us, our society changes, but the word of God is not going to change. So in those good times, remember him. In those bad times, remember him. So in verse 6 through 37, this large section of chapter 9, it's reminding us who God is. So here's what I thought I thought we'd do. Uh, let's walk through each attribute and just remind ourselves as leaders and know the implications of these attributes. So for example, I'll frame it in a question like this. In, chap- in verse 6, they start praising God because he's the creator God. How does knowing God as creator affect you and help you in your leadership. Well, that, that affects your leadership to know who he is, that he's all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent, and with him all things are possible. Yes, he is the creator uh, of the universe. And just to think that he's chosen us uh, to serve him. He's chosen us. God called us into the ministry. Paul, Paul said, uh, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who found me faithful, putting me into the ministry. We just didn't decide to go into the ministry one day. God called us to this. You know, you can choose a profession uh, like a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, but you can't choose uh, your ministry. A ministry is a call uh, from God. But knowing that he's the creator and he has chosen imperfect people like us to uh, preach his word, to me, I find that very encouraging to know that he knows all my, my failures and all my fears, and still he chose to call people like us. That's what he's looking for, just ordinary people with uh, a willing heart. And to know that the, universe, the, the creator of the whole universe would choose us, it still kind of just blows me away. Yeah, that's good. And that's what I want to do. I want to just go through these attributes like that and just meditate, think about uh, that. That answer was perfect. It was good. The next thing they talked about was God being gracious. Um, but before we even talk about that attribute, well, how would you even define grace? Well, what does grace mean? It's uh, unmerited favor. That's something we don't deserve, you know. Uh, you know, Scripture says in Ephesians 2, by grace are we saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a free gift of God, not of work that not of worth that if any man should boast. So God's grace is uh as Paul said, is sufficient in every situation. And his grace, the more I walk with him, the more I understand uh how his grace is so was so appreciated. And so knowing that God is a gracious God, he gives good things undeserved to us. First, he's creator, he's called us, but now he's gracious. He gives us good things. How does knowing that God is gracious affect you and help you in your leadership? Well, I know when he's gracious, you know, he, when you fall or make a mistake, or do things wrong, make mistakes in ministries, his grace will cover that and forgive you. And he will continue to use you in spite of your uh, mistakes because he's full of grace and he's full of forgiveness. Well, the next attribute is God being powerful. Uh, verses 9 through 15, 
uh, it talks about they celebrate and praise God for just being uh, super powerful. And so how does knowing God is powerful affect you and help our leadership today? Well, all powerful, knowing that he can do anything. He can do anything. Uh, nothing is impossible with him. So we shouldn't limit him uh, with our unbelief. You know, we should step out. If God calls you to do something, he's all powerful and he's all knowing. And God is, you know, as Paul said, faithful as he that, that called it to you and he will do it. He is all powerful. He's given us the power of his Holy Spirit to help us in our ministries. He, he hasn't called us to do this alone, so he's going to make sure that we know that he's powerful. He is sent to comfort her, to help us, and God is going to be with us no matter what, through the thick and the thin. So just keep, going, keep on serving him and, and putting Christ first, and he will bless you for your obedience. You probably have heard told the story, but what is the biggest step of faith that you ever made? Well, when I got called into the ministry, that was probably the biggest step of faith because, you know, I didn't think I was called. Well, I would think I was qualified. And, you know, and there's so many things that you look at all your imperfections and, you know, uh, but we took a step of faith uh, and we found out over 40 years that God has been faithful. But, uh you have to take a step, a step of faith really to find out. That was a really a, a big step of faith for me. And the second step of faith was uh, moving from uh, California to Washington State. That was a big step of faith because we didn't know anybody in Washington State. And we had to all come to Washington State. We had to all get jobs. And, uh, you know, I worked on this one job 30 years before I went into the ministry. So... But, at this, you know, at the same time I was working, I was still ministering and I was still uh, seeing people saved. And I was working around mostly unbelievers and I had a chance to do a lot of ministry at my job with weddings and funerals and stuff like that. So it, it was a great time in my life, but that was a big step of faith. First of all, uh, going into the ministry and second of all, moving from my home and from, from California to Washington State to Tacoma, Washington, that was a really a big step of faith because um, we didn't know what was going to happen, really. Uh, we just took a step of faith, and we found out that God was faithful. He, he brought us through. What about in the last year? What's something that God has uh, given you where you have to trust him, where you're taking a step of faith, and it's still... You're still depending on God and his power right now just as much as you <laughs> much as you always have been. Yeah, you'll always depend upon God. I mean, the step of faith we had last year, we had this church in Kenya. They needed a building, and uh, uh, they needed $22,000 to build this building. We're a small church, so we really didn't have the, tw- the money. So uh, we got the money together, and we sent the money to Kenya, and they built a church, a whole building for $22,000. And uh, within about a month, the $22,000 came back to us. And within mo- the money we gave out came back to us within a month. And we put it back into the, into the bank, and then we started helping other people. But you really don't know until you step out. You just have to step out to find out. If God puts something on your heart, uh, t- take a step of faith to see what the Spirit will do. 
Well, the next attribute in verses 16 through 21 is merciful, being merciful. God is a merciful God. Now, grace is an undeserved favor. He gives you a gift you don't deserve. Mercy is really getting what you don't deserve. Uh, So you do deserve something. You should have a punishment and he spares you of that. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And so uh, how does knowing God being is, is merciful affect you and help us in our leadership to know that God is just full of mercy for us? And we, as we know he's merciful, then we should also be merciful. I mean, to our congregation, to other people. Uh, we want to follow his example. We want to follow the example of the Lord. So his, it's helped me in my ministry to know that he's very merciful and very gracious and uh, it just gets you a long ways in your ministry, knowing who he is. Well, mercy and grace go hand in hand. Uh, but he's not only one time merciful for us or gracious, but he's continually. He has a steadfast love for us, the Bible says. And in verses 22 through 25, it says they are praising God because he's faithful. He's faithful. And so how does knowing God is faithful affect you and can help us in our leadership well when you know god is faithful you can keep walking forward you know he's faithful and he's walking beside you uh he's not gonna leave you uh in the good times or the bad times he's always there and it just keeps you going but you'll see over the years and i'll look back over my life and i've seen that he's been very faithful uh all the trials that we've gone through he carried us through him. We, we came out on the other side stronger. And now we are able to encourage people uh, who are going through those same trials. If we went through, we can encourage, encourage somebody else. We can t- tell them and teach them about the faithfulness of God when he was faithful to us. And we can tell them that he will be faithful to you also. And now the next attribute is love. We know that the Bible says God is love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God is generous in his love, and he's defined his love. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's a big deal for Christians, knowing the love of God. And so verses 26 through 31, they praise God for being loving. How should love affect our lives, especially as leaders, as we've been uh, just experiencing the love of God for us, how does that affect us in our leadership? Well, I think when you, when you, uh, you should demonstrate love because the Bible says he that loveth not know it not God because God is love. Uh, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I become a sounding brass and a tangling cymbal. So your, your people have to see, have to know that you love them. I think if they see and know that you care for them and they love and, and that you love them, uh, they'll do anything for you, really. People also, you know, that you love them, that you appreciate them. Uh, if they do something good, you know, encourage them. That goes a long ways in ministry, not taking anybody for granted. Let them know you love them. Say, you know, uh, love you guys. I appreciate you. I'll be praying for you. and You can be praying for me. Uh, if there's anything I can do for you, Feel free to uh, give me a call. Let them know that you that you love them. Tell them on, on a regular basis and don't take them for granted. The last attribute, which is obviously not that last attribute of God, but one in this chapter there where they're 
praising God for is how God is righteous. When I think of righteous, I think of a person doing the right thing. God's always right. He's righteous. He rules with righteousness, the Bible says, in justice. He cares for us in righteousness. Um, how does knowing that God is right or righteous affect us, impact us, can help us shape our leadership and those that are following us? Well, we ought to copy him as much as possible. His righteousness, we ought to uh, copy his righteousness and try to apply it to our lives, our ministries, knowing he's righteous, then we should, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, of course, we can't do it in our own strength, but the Holy Spirit is there to conform us to the image of Christ and, and to make you more and more like him each day. And we should depend upon the Holy Spirit and not ourselves, but just to know that he's righteous, you know, he's gracious, loving, kind, all that we should also uh, apply all those things to our lives and try to be more and more like him. Well, there's a lot of attributes to talk through, but we did we did pretty good over here. You know, that was <laughs> those are a lot of questions. Good insight today. Hey, if we're just taking Nehemiah chapter nine. We're walking through the book, hoping this is helpful, learning a lot of things as we go. Hope it's the, the point of this podcast is just to learn some leadership principles to encourage and equip you. And so we're really appreciative, Pastor Joe, for you spending your time, not even knowing what the questions are, but just sort of talking in the office, hanging out. And uh, even on your vacation, being able to minister in such a great way. Uh, Let me ask you this as we sort of close this bonus episode. Um, In your own words or maybe some last words thinking about revival, because that's where these people were at. Uh, You know, maybe you can give us some hope for some of us young pastors who's never pastored through revival. Uh, Maybe we're struggling. Uh, The days are a little bit longer for us. Or maybe we are reaching a, a community that's a little hard soil Uh, What encouragement do you have for us when it comes to revival and just the hope that God could do anything at any moment uh, to encourage us as we close out this sort of next conversation and lesson? Well, I think revival is contagious. Um, Pray that God will let revival start with you. Uh, And I think if people see that God is number one in your life and you love the Lord and his word, uh, I think that's very contagious uh, especially for a leader. The congregation is watching and, and see, basically, uh, are we really applying what we, you know, what we preach? Are we practicing what we preach? So revival can still happen, but it always starts with a believer. It never starts with an unbeliever. It starts with the believer seeking the Lord in his word and prayer, fellowship, and, and God just fills you and fills you up and then as gives you a heart after his heart, and that becomes contagious to the whole, uh, the whole church. Try to be the, try to be the person that, uh, that the church want to see. You try to be that person. You try to be the change that the, that the church want to be want to see. So it starts with you, uh, I think, with the pastor, and I think uh, let it trickle on down to the congregation. They'll pick up on it. But I think as pastors, we can't. You know, we can't get too busy, but we can't stop and pray and have that quiet time with Christ, because that's where it all starts from. All the things that's going to happen comes from Him. It starts with Him, and then uh, it just trickles on down to the people. Well, what a great subject to think about the goodness of God as we jump into this new year. There's new things happening. Season five is coming out 
very soon, the first week of March. I'm pretty excited about it, getting all these things together. And we're starting some new ministries. We have more new content on YouTube with the Patreon page and community. We're doing a new subscription-based community where you can get equipped and more encouragement for a personal touch. And of course, we're going to have some new bonus episodes leading up every other week until the new season starts but you don't have to wait until season five to get content you can go to the patreon page and join our community to get more resources you can go to our youtube page and find out all the information at eeleaders.com god bless you guys we're praying for you as you venture out in faith in this new year may the lord bless you and may this ministry serve you well